0: Easy, be, easy easy be, Excellence in Christian Broadcasting
1: Our Father, once again we thank you for the privilege and the joy of being able to come into the presence of a holy God a triune God set apart from all that is profane but yet eminent with his creatures thank you providing for giving us your son to become an atoning sacrifice for us so that he could be the meeting place, the satisfaction, the propitiation basis for us to be able to stand in your presence. Thank you for his atoning work. Thank you for your word Thank you for your Holy Spirit who has written the word and then now lives to illuminate us to understand his word, your word to us. Grant today that he might do his work in a mighty way in our midst. We pray for our nation again, praying for our leaders as commanded by you. Praying that they might rule this nation in a righteous manner, in a just manner, free from oppression, free from personal, uh, a desire for personal profit and gain at the expense of your people, the people of the Bahamas. We pray too that those who do not know you as Savior now, your Son as the only mediator between God and man, may come to place faith in Christ and so be able to rule in a just and righteous way and that we might be able to live a peaceful and tranquil life in all godliness Father turn our hearts back to God we pray we pray that the violence we pray that all of the immorality we pray that all of the injustice that we see all around us might cease because your people the people of this nation will turn to you but especially your people who name your name that we might all live righteously in this unrighteous world so that we as the salt of the earth and the light of the world might be able once again to restore righteousness to this nation so that we might not be known as a nation of sin but rather be exalted as a nation of righteousness thank you then for this opportunity bless our time together and may those who are listening in the hospital in homes homes and beds of affliction, uh, taxicab drivers, uh, uh, straw vendors, uh, whoever it is may be listening, and if they're in any kind of pain or discomfort, we pray for your hand of healing to rest upon them. Provide for those who have needs. Restore the broken relationships, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. It's so good to pray, isn't it? Beloved, sometimes when you get before the throne of grace and you realize that you are in fact in the presence of a holy God, a triune God, an all powerful, all knowing, all loving, faithful, forgiving God, you don't want to leave. But we have to come down from the mountain. Let's get into the valley, as it were, as we look into the Word, because it takes intense study to come to a point where we truly understand the word and we're going to be doing a little bit of that today. So if you have your Bible, I invite you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And I said I'm looking at this passage because this is one of the passages that has come to the forefront in the discussion, especially from Christians, concerning this proposed amendment to the sexual offense bill. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 5, but let me give you a background here to get the context of this. these verses that we're reading from this chapter. Verses 5 and 6 of this book, First Corinthians, deal with moral laxity within the church. It's a negative uh, focus. Uh, he deals with incest within the church that was not checked or dealt with not discipline, in chapter 5. Then he deals with brothers and sisters who take one another to a court to settle differences. The apostle is saying this is morally wrong, it shouldn't be done. Now when he comes to chapter 7 he deals in a positive light with moral purity focusing especially on the relationship of husband and wife. In 1 Corinthians 7 we have the human responsibility when it comes to the husband-wife relationship. In Genesis 2, we have a divine revelation concerning the marriage and becoming one flesh. First Corinthians 7 gives us the instruction in marriage. Genesis 2 gives us the institution of marriage. Now, when we look at the historical background and the reason for the writing of this particular chapter or the section we were looking at, during paul's day the people at corinth they regarded celibacy which was absence in marriage and singleness they regarded celibacy in a uh, well, in a very lofty way it was exalted they saw marriage from a negative perspective from a mar- from a negative perspective in other words marriage was denigrated implying that celibacy was better and marriage was worse. That's the kind of uh, historical background that Paul is dealing with here. Now, Paul writes his letter, especially First Corinthians 7, to show that marriage is actually legitimate. In fact, it is a good and necessary thing for most, and that celibacy depends upon that gift given by God. And he makes the point that neither celibacy or marriage is better than the other as a state or in God's purpose for the individual. It all depends on God's will for you. Now, let's look at the verses and get some observations and derive some principles from it. This is what verse 1 says, 1 Corinthians 7. Quote, Now concerning the things which you wrote, It is good for a man not to touch a woman. That's the King James Version. Perhaps a more accurate or literal translation will read in this fashion. Now, to deal with the matters you wrote about, a man does well not to marry. Now in context, Paul is giving this advice because of the times in which they lived. When Christians were being severely persecuted, as well as it was a strong feeling that Christ would return at any time. Paul, as he explains later on in the passage, was trying to avoid believers adding to present problems and distress by having to be concerned with the caring of a spouse. So, this advice concerning singleness is relative to the times. It is not a set of fixed principle that holds for all times. And by the way, This verse has nothing to do with petting or fondling to arouse sexual feelings or even the act of fornication as some have interpreted to be based on the use of the word touch in the passage. But that's not a proper or accurate translation. Now verse 2 then reads in the New Living Translation in this fashion. But because there is so much immorality, every man should have his own wife and every woman should have her own husband. Simply put, Paul is saying one should marry in order to avoid sexual immorality by having their personal means or source for meeting their normal human sexual needs in the form of a wife or a husband. In other words, Paul is saying that marriage is the God-devised means for men and women to have their God-given sexual needs met. In the words of the writer of the book of Hebrews, the marriage bed is undefiled, meaning that sexual relations within marriage is both pure, expected, and even spiritual in the sight of God. Notice the idea of mutuality and and, and the idea of reciprocating to one another and exclusiveness. In other words, what is true of and for the wife is also true of and for the husband. Neither has priority over the other. Notice also, the purity of sexual relations is dependent upon and tied to the one man, one woman principle of marriage. It says, his own wife, her own husband, Outside of this husband-wife relationship, the sexual act is sinful and absolutely contrary to the will and word of God. This verse also explicitly teaches that that the denial of meeting sexual needs in marriage can lead to infidelity by either spouse, husband or wife, and by way of extension, based on our topic for the day, can also lead to sexual abuse by either party, due to the essentiality of this God-given need being met. Paul explains, expands on this in the next verse, verse 3, still reading now from the New Living Translation. It says, A man should fulfill his duty as a husband, and a woman should fulfill her duty as a wife, and each should should, should satisfy the other's needs. Notice once again the emphasis upon mutuality. The same responsibility rests with both the husband and the wife. None is given priority over the other. Also, the emphasis is upon responsibility, not rights. You see, my friends, the New Testament always emphasizes the rights of others, not self. Emphasizes personal responsibility, but it also emphasizes the rights of others rather than ourselves. Both husband and wife have the same privilege and responsibility of meeting a God-given need of his or her mate. Notice, each should fulfill this duty. This is so important in fact that Paul emphasizes it again in verse 4. This is what the verse says reading again from the New Living Translation, quote, A wife is not master of her body, but a husband is. In the same way, notice that, in the same way, a husband is not the master of his own body, but his wife is. It is vital to note, my friends, that this statement is being made in the context of the meeting of sexual needs of spouses, and not just that of the husband, but the wife also. Now understood in this light, this is one of the most awesome and beautiful truths revealed about the husband wife relationship anywhere in the word of God it describes how a husband who truly loves his wife and a wife who truly loves her husband can and should regard their body as an instrument of pleasing both God and their mate at the same time they can find both physical and spiritual fulfillment at one shot in a bedroom through the sexual act beautiful concept here and it raises, it uplifts the idea of sexual relationships above the carnal and ordinary that we so oftentimes focus on. In other words, God sees it as a holy act, a spiritual act. This is why it is so saddening and disappointing to hear when men misinterpret this verse. They say that God is saying that they have absolute ownership and authority over their wife's body, that gives them the divine right to do whatever is necessary, even to using brute force, threats, and violence in order for their their sexual needs to be met. My friends, listen carefully. This borders on outright heresy, and is making God the author of sexual abuse of women by men. This cannot be, and in fact, is not in keeping with the word of God. Love making between husband and wife, according to the Word of God, from beginning to end, is an act of love that always, always I say, puts the needs and welfare of the one being loved before and in front of one's personal needs and welfare, of the one, especially the one who is doing the loving. In other words, flesh oneness is emphasized in conjunction with the principle of servanthood. We live to serve one another by loving the other more than we love ourselves again the principle of mutuality is stressed both spouses meet one's body must give one's body to satisfy the sexual needs of the other if the wife resists without proper cause or reason she sins if the husband insists to the point of force or violence he sins he is to love and care for his wife to the point of sacrificing his own needs and desires to love her as christ loved the church notice now and gave himself for her that's personal sacrifice for the welfare of the other he is to treat his wife as he treats his own body and as the scripture says no one hates or harms his own body on the other hand The wife is to be submissive in meeting her husband's needs to the point of regarding her needs as secondary to his. Unless, of course, from a practical perspective, she is physically or even emotionally unable to do so. Then the love of the husband should kick in and put her needs above his. Paul once more explains that mutuality and cooperation are essential in a harmonious marriage relationship especially when it comes to sexual relations. Listen to verse 5. Do not deny yourselves to each other unless you first agree to do so for a while in order to spend your time in prayer. I want you now to see how high a plane on which God places sexual relations. He puts it on evil plane with the spiritual act of prayer. Do not deny yourselves to each other unless you first agree to do so for a while in order to spend your time in prayer. But then resume normal marital relationships. It's abnormal not to have marital relationships within a marriage. Spiritually abnormal. In this way, the apostle says, you will be kept from giving in to Satan's temptation because of your lack of self-control. Paul reveals the divine solution to the interruption of the expected, ongoing sexual relations between husband and wife. Once again, mutuality and cooperation are emphasized. And he gives us three principles for the abstinence from sexual relations in a married relationship. In other words, why husband and wife should not be engaged in sexual relationships. He gives three principles. First, it must be by mutual agreement because they belong to each other not to self. it must be by mutual agreement the divine remedy here the divine principle here then is that not one spouse should make the decision number two it must be for a limited time only it's not to go on indefinitely but a set time agreed by both and then thirdly it must be for the glory of God you put it aside in order to do something to glorify God in the context, it has to do with prayer. It could be because of the illness of a mate, one, either the husband or the wife. And so, as we close out this section, here are some practical applications and implications from this passage. First, we must see sex as a part of a larger whole of the marriage relationship. And sex problems are usually only symptoms of deeper and more significant problems. In other words, we cannot come together in the bedroom if we don't get together in the other rooms of our life. And so if you see problems arising, we encourage you to get expert and professional and spiritual counseling. Secondly, at least six ingredients must be properly mixed to create a fulfilling sexual relationship in marriage. Because, as I said, sex is a part of a larger whole of the relationship, not simply an act with a licensed partner. Here are the six ingredients as we close out. One, our mate must be seen as a person, not merely as a sex object to satisfy our desires or needs. Remember, your mate becomes to you what you think of him or her. If you see he or she as a problem or him or her as a problem, then that's what will develop a problem. But if you see them as a rosebud of a potential, that's what he or she will become. Secondly, respect is vital. Paul emphasizes this in Ephesians 5.33 and 1 Peter 3.7. We cannot truly give ourselves to a person that we do not respect. Thirdly, genuine spiritual strength is like this. Morality plus character plus self-control equals spiritual strength. In other words, we're talking about a spirit, spirit-filled life. That's why I say that to live this kind of a life as a husband or a wife, especially when it comes to sexual relations, you need enablement of the Holy Spirit. You need to be spirit-filled. In fact, believe it or not, my friends, the spirit-filled person makes the best sex partner. Fourthly, time is essential to develop a proper sexual attitude with your mate both before, during, and after the, the, the act itself. Now, this has to, takes a lot of time to develop, but that's the principle. Loving words and loving actions are important. Fifth, presence must be practiced. In other words, be fully present both mentally and emotionally when you are with your mate at all times, not only during the act of lovemaking itself. Sixth, communication is vital. Speaking so as to be understood and listening so as to hear. Proper communication at all times says that at all times you care all the time for your maid. My friends, this kind of experience can only be experienced by those who have the Spirit of God within them. If you claim to have him, then as a husband, you should never be charged with sexual violence towards your wife. If you are a Christian wife, you will not resist simply to resist from meeting your partner's normal and natural sexual needs, because to do so would be committing as great a sin of spiritual and emotional abuse as the husband who commits the crime of sexual violence and or abuse against his wife. I believe that's what the scripture tells us about how husband and wife should relate to each other when it comes to sexual relationships. My friends, as Christians, this act should not be a problem for us as all. At all. It's only for those who disobey the word of God. All right, we're gonna take a break here and we'll come back after the um, the news and we approach the second half of this. We'll give you our numbers that you can call in. Now a break. Easy, easy
0: be. easy, easy be. excellence in Christian broadcasting.
1: Okay, we are back, and we're so pleased to have uh, with us at this time uh, Pastor Cedric Moss of the Kingdom of Kingdom Life, and uh, we will be speaking with him concerning now the issue of the Sexual Offenses Amendment Bill 2009. But Before I get into it uh, anymore, let me give you the numbers to call because we would encourage you to call anytime from this point on. Uh, to ask questions or comments concerning the bill or what we have already discussed concerning First Corinthians seven and so on, our numbers are three two two seven eight four six. That's three two two seven eight four six, or and three two six zero eight hundred. That's three two six zero eight hundred. We truly encourage and invite your comments and your questions. All right, what we are concerned about then in this part of our program is the Sexual Offenses Amendment Bill of 2009. I'll read exactly from this document that I have here just to acquaint you with um, what we are about. It's a bill for an act to amend the Sexual Offenses Act uh, enacted by the Parliament of the Bahamas. The short title for this is, This Act, which amends the Sexual Offenses Act, may be cited as the Sexual Offenses Amendment Act, 2009. And they have two primary objectives here. First is the amendment of Section 3 of the Principal Act. That's the one that is already in force. Section 3 of the Principal Act is uh, amended by the deletion of the words, Who is not his spouse? And as we get into the program, I'm going to ask Pastor Cedric to explain the significance of this. Then the other objective here is the insertion of a new section into the principal act. That it, it, What it does is simply extends the time that the woman might be able to, for, to introduce a, a charge of rape against her husband. Uh, so those are some of the general things here or specific things, actually, that we will be looking at this afternoon. Now, Pastor Tedrick, you've been in the forefront of this uh, discussion ever since this Act, uh, or this amendment, anyway, was introduced. Let me begin by asking you, what do you see as its major problem from your perspective?
2: Well, I think, first of all, this bill touches the most important and the most basic building block of our society, the family. And I think what it seeks to do is it it seeks to bring such uh, broad and far-reaching changes without, in my view, not having thought through a lot of the implications of those changes. For example, to change the definition of rape, which itself is such a wide definition that even, for example, the slightest touch in the way that it is defined in section three of the main act
1: is yeah, so broad. I, I was, I, actually, I was surprised that too. It says that uh, it complies to the act at anywhere during the process from beginning to end. That's
2: right, any stage it says. It says, uh, any, says this is section four of the act, and they define what is sexual intercourse, and um, the latter part of it says this. And any reference in this act to the act of having sexual intercourse includes a reference to any stage or continuation of that act. And then when you look at the definition of rape, it talks of in, in section three of the act, it talks about um rape is basically having uh sexual intercourse with a person not under the age of fourteen and who is not your spouse without their consent. And it goes on to say um well, it gives the, the conditions there, but when right. you consider right. that it includes even touching Um, any part, using any part of your body to touch that person's uh, private part or to stimulate that person's private part in any way. This is such a broad definition that my concern is if you bring this definition into normal, healthy marriages, not talking about the ones in separation, not talking about those in divorce, if you bring such a definition in the normal scope of healthy marriages, even if a lot of those... um, incidences are not reported you've essentially defined individuals as rapists if those things have up
1: to two years to bring the charges
2: yeah but that's in that's in all of the the offenses under the act
1: Right. well for all of them right well isn't that another aspect to where in an attempt to I like to use the word universalize uh, rape that uh, they focus now on husband and wife relationships because it was somewhat excluded in the act that we have now. That's right.
2: I think too, Pastor Lee, what is important to note, a lot of people are throwing the word rape around. Rape is what countries define it to be. You would find that though it is generally uh, the same in, in in countries, there are certain nuances. And what we're seeking to do is we're seeking to change a nuance mm-hmm. in in, right. in the act. When we think of rape in general, we're thinking of Um, someone who's a stranger violating another person. But to use the same definition for a man who wrongly forces his wife into intercourse and use that same definition for a man who
1: breaks in a house and rapes a woman, I think there's something wrong with that. I would agree. In fact, in in my um, studies so far in this and other places, I've seen in some of the uh, statements given for rape, in what they call spousal rape, uh, is that if the spouse is unable to respond, not that she's not willing to respond, but if she's unable to do so. And that was quite strange mm-hmm. or, or to see and that. And I can understand she that. she says unable, yeah. which is a little bit more reasonable yes. than just saying I'm unwilling to do it. Yes. You see? Yes. Okay. Now, another uh, in going over this myself, two, a couple of questions have come up for me personally. One, in one sense, some of it seems, and I'm trying not to be chauvinistic but one sense here, it seems to be gender bias. It seems to be directed more towards the male than the female. Is that true? It, Although it, I, it, I know it isn't in in, uh, in the final analysis. Yeah.
2: yeah. Certainly, as they use his in the act, it is the generic universal uh, his, um, and it also includes women too. But we know by and large uh, rape, as we are describing it, is normally something that men will do, although there are some very specific and unique and odd circumstances under which a woman can rape a man.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, okay. Now, another thing, um, it appears to me that this seems to be complicating this particular area of our law, because by what I can understand in reading over the present act, a lot of the um, the the uh, criminality, if you want, actions, criminal actions, are already covered in the laws that we have now. Mm-hmm. This seems to complicate it a little bit. Would you agree with that? I think so.
2: I think I think that's a very good summary of it. I believe, Pastor Lee, what is important for us to establish is that when it comes down to recognizing that any forced sexual act on another person, whether it's between strangers or a man on his wife is wrong. We all agree with that. Mm. I think in our society, you're not gonna find many persons who would disagree with that. I think the vast majority of right-thinking Bahamians agree that it is wrong for a man to force unwanted sexual acts on his wife. We all agree with that. The, The next step now is, okay, since we agree with that, How are we going to punish it under law? I don't think you're even going to find a big difference between what the punishment is in terms of length of time or fines or whatever. The difference is, what do we call it? That's really what most of this debate is about. What do we call it? And I continue to say, I don't believe that we should call um, such wrong acts between a husband, uh, husband and wife in non-estranged marriages. I believe if the marriage is estranged, it should be raped because if a man is separated from his wife or if they're in the process of a divorce, his concern should not be getting in bed with her. That's his right. concern should be reconciling with her yes. and mm-hmm. staying away from that physical part of the marriage. So I think it's appropriate so to call you, you that So you think ra-
1: like call it a differenting like... Sexual abuse, violence. Sexual call it, yeah, violence call it sexual
2: assault. Call it indecent assault, and the act already provides for that.
1: I came across a term in one of my in in one of the uh, uh, articles I was reading. They call it IPSA. Um, uh, what is it? Intimate. Uh, how is it? Intimate partner sexual abuse. IPSA, Intimate Partner Sexual Abuse. And where is that from? I got this in an article. Mm-hmm. They said this is another name now for spousal abuse. And I kind of, when I say like this, this I kind of resonate with this one. Do you
2: know if any countries are using that definition for spousal? Uh,
1: well, yeah, I think it is, in this article that I read, it, it was in, uh, from a country that is using this term oh. instead of.
2: It's really interesting abuses. to look at that.
1: I, I thought it was quite um, quite interesting. You're quite a
2: yeah. researcher. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> quite a Now, so then what we're saying so far then is that um, this bill, this amendment could, um, if it passed, could be subject to extreme abuse.
2: Yeah, we think so. Uh, Pastor Lee, we all know we live in a fallen world. And um, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 1 that men... Invent ways of being That's right,
1: evil. Invent evil. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, so, we we I think anyone who would be forthright about this bill would recognize: yes, there can be abuse, and more than likely will be abuse if this is passed.
1: Right. Okay. Now, and also we believe that perhaps the wrong term is being used in this particular instance. Rather than rape, we should come up with another term.
2: Yeah, I think so. And and the the term that you mentioned, intimate partner sexual, sexual abuse. abuse, really does sound like an appropriate term. The only thing there, though, is I guess my only my only reluctance with that use is I would not use intimate partner because I think that goes into to, another it, arena. I agree. That was I one would, of my concerns. I would say really do. I would say marital because we're, we're addressing marriages here, if that kind of marital abuse... Marital
1: partner sexual abuse or something like yeah, that. Yeah, marital right?
2: partner sexual abuse.
1: I would agree. When I first saw that, that came to my mind right away. We could open it to other areas as well. Now, let me ask you another question then. Um, then I'll come back to some of the biblical implications and so on. Do you think it will be possible for a charge of rape against... Um, a husband against a husband could be proven and caught beyond shadow of a doubt
2: well it it depends and obviously what we know is that uh there does not have to be evidential violence or trauma to a, a woman's body to uh be able to accuse her husband of rape uh so You could actually have a situation where a woman's circumstances are identical in a situation where she is saying she's been raped by her husband as they would be in a situation where she is not claiming to be raped. Uh, So that could be difficult to, to prove. And I think this is one of the reasons why I believe it is important to have the safeguard in the amendment that the charge can only be brought with the consent of the Attorney, Attorney General. General.
1: That's R- another issue it, now, because uh, they, they want to eliminate that Section 15, I think they say it is. Yes. And that's the section where that is That, that contains
2: it. W- one thing I'll say is this, Pastor Lee, this is very interesting. Under the current law that they're seeking to amend to remove that particular provision, that same law provides that protection of the Attorney General's consent for persons accused of incest, For persons accused of sexual harassment, for persons accused of having sex with animals, having sex, having homosexual sex with a minor child, having homosexual sex in
1: public, protection from all of those.
2: No, 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 no. My point is, they're leaving that protection for those ones, but they're removing it for human relationships, a normal relationship. So, how do you justify giving these? Categories of person's protection and not protecting people in normal, healthy marriages. Would
1: you say that that might be an indication of what I call the gender bias?
2: I would not say that, Pastor Lee. I think what it is indicative of is the act that they're trying to bring to Parliament has not been thought through. Mm-hmm. Because this is, a, this is an inconsistency. And what's interesting is, this, uh, this section on homosexual, they, they call it unnatural crimes, right. it's section 16, mm. right, right after section 15 where they right. want to change it. The other one for um, incest is section 13. So it's nearby, but they clearly haven't thought it through.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're talking with um, Pastor Cedric Moss of Kingdom Life and we're discussing this sexual offense Amendment Bill for 2009. Again, we invite your comments or questions, your input here. Our numbers are three two two seven eight four six, or three two six zero eight hundred. That's three two two seven eight four six or three two six zero eight hundred. We're going to take another break, and when we come back, I'm going to be asking uh, Pastor Moss concerning uh, the spiritual or the biblical implications of this particular amendment proposed amendment and how it might impact believers and some of the problems uh, difficulties they might have with this if any um, and again we invite your contribution here three two two seven eight four six three two six zero eight hundred i think we have a call now and so we'll uh, keep our break for a few moments hello you on ecb talking it through biblically
3: Pastor, how are you doing? And two pastors, how are you doing? I'm good.
1: Thank you. How are you?
3: Fine. Uh, just hearing your voice, talking to you. Um, you know, I agree with the uh, pastor. Pastor, Ma- pastor what's the, the gentleman's name again? Moss.
1: I mean? Pastor Cedric Moss.
3: Mr. Moss. I agree with you. The way our is the, the wife or the husband or, or the spouse do have protection because um, if they find that their husband is forcing them, they don't want it. They could apply for legal separation or termination, which is divorce. Um, on that act, if they apply for that, court grant that, they're not to have no right to uh, engage in intercourse anymore because of the legal separation mm-hmm. or apply for divorce. Uh, be that as it's may, that is the protection net. But to say, force a law on a couple in uh, terms of rape difficult to prove because uh from uh, from a biological or from uh dna is difficult to prove because it's obvious that the, the dna is there but it's still based on the legal the legal te- the legal te- the technology right. of marriage would you agree yes yes yeah. so in a legal sense how can you prove that um a man will rape each other where they have a right to uh, touch each other and that is the biggest argument, and I think this law in some parts of the world, um, no one really never came to uh, to, to justice on based on these laws. No one ever came to an um, illegal um, sentence for this type of bill, um Type of act. This act is totally ruled out, and I've never seen no husband, or wife going to jail. Have you mm-hmm. seen anyone um, globally wherever this law is
1: passed went to jail?
2: Access. I've not followed it, so I don't no, that's know
1: far I can't see myself i don't know and and I've been um searching all over the um
3: internet I have never seen a legal charges or no one um went to jail, so it is clear that um law this law in this sense would probably open open have an open door for adultery and have a more open door for divorce instead of um instead of uh, bringing husband and wife together one based uh-huh. on an understanding of the true understanding of God's law. Mm-hmm. and that's the way I look at it. So I, 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 as I go around the street, um, everybody's asking how can they prove it? Right, right. How can they prove it and how and how even have to do a it, DNA it's still is dear. Mm-hmm. You know, it it just don't make no sense. That don't mm-hmm. make no sense mentally, psychologically, or even make no sense physically. The only argument is, well, some wife would say my husband have a, may have run around, even my baby's run around, mm-hmm. may have a disease, and he's forcing that on me.
2: And that is a valid concern.
3: Yeah, right. Yeah. But that's, that's a very a valid concern. concern. But even if she suspects that, then uh, then she should apply for legal separation. She mm-hmm. has a right to do that, and that that law would protect her. So
1: there's no need for this particular amendment. Great. Pumpkin, thanks for your contribution. I appreciate it. Those are some uh, interesting um, uh, input, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I come back too, I think I want to ask you as to, you know, what do you think is the major motivation behind this, uh, this, uh, this proposal here? So maybe when we come back, we'll talk about that. We'll take a break now and be right back.
0: Easy. ECB EC, ECB Excellence in Christian Broadcasting
1: Okay, we're back. I want to give you the numbers again because we are have are just about another half hour and we would love to hear from you on this very important issue. Our numbers are 322-7846 322-7846 and 326 eight800 three two six zero eight hundred. Pastor Moss, I was just wondering because I'm looking at it, I don't think or I can't recall reading um, anything concerning the reason for this particular amendment being proposed at this time.
2: Well actually uh the minister, Minister Loretta Butler Turner did say the reason mm-hmm. and the reason is that the UN has uh asked countries who do not provide in their law for marital rape to make that provision. And, and according to her, the Bahamas is behind in terms of not having this on the books, and that's the reason for it that's coming. It. So that's yeah. the primary reason. And, and let me just say this as well. No doubt they may also have uh, documented incidences where women have gone through... Abuse and and uh, just demeaning uh, treatment in what this proposed law is trying to prevent and protect against. So no doubt they may have some of that, but what I heard us say as the primary motivation was the UN's request.
1: Right. In fact, I listened to a program the other day, and a lady came on, and she really described a horrific experiences he's she's had mm-hmm. and you know it's things like that that are so now they're genuine but they're also emotionally laden that causes us to really look at this thing mm-hmm. in a different way and uh listening to some uh folk uh speak about this um and I think you were on a, a a show the other day or at least you called in there seems to be a tendency of some if you don't agree with me then therefore you know, you want to, um, you incline inclined to be an abuser yourself or something like mm-hmm, that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What do you have to say about that kind of a situation?
2: Yeah, that that is a very discouraging kind of comment uh, to listen to when I know I have a wife, I have two daughters, I have three sisters, I have a mother, and I love them dearly. Women in our church, I love them dearly and want to see them protected. There's not the slightest desire in my heart to see women abused or taken advantage of. So I have no inclination towards violence for women. I don't support that. And it must be stated again, we are all on the same page when it comes down to protecting women from having sexual acts forced on them against their will. We all agree with that. It comes down to what are we going to call it?
1: Right. Let's um, look at it from another perspective now, from the biblical or spiritual perspective. I've actually heard Christian men, uh, you, uh, say that because of this passage in First Corinthians seven, that they own their wives, hmm. and uh, because of the fact that um, the Bible says that uh, their wives' body belongs to them, and so on, that they can demand to have sexual relationships even if the wife does not want to have it. How would you relate to those Christian men?
2: You know, that is, uh, that is an unbiblical and selfish view. What the Bible says is that we've been bought with a price. So we don't belong to ourselves, and certainly a wife does not belong to her husband. What uh, the Apostle Paul was seeking to communicate in 1 Corinthians 7 was really just the uh, communal uh, life that husband and wife are supposed to share. that They are supposed to share everything. They share each other with with, with one another. But to, to force your way on this woman who God has given to you as a gift and has told you to lay your life down for her and to love her the way Christ loves the church, that is absolutely wrong. And I don't know what Bible they're reading.
1: Right. And because it, it eliminates any idea of violence, isn't it? And also, I mean, you know, is the, the reverse is also true because the Bible says that the husband's body also belongs to the wife. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So I think we need to see both of those things because, again, I think we should emphasize we certainly are in no way for any kind of uh, violence, abuse toward the woman and lastly, or And Pastor, I'll even
2: go further and say, it's not even violence. It is, it is coercion. See, because a man could force his wife into sexual relations without being violent towards her. We are against the violation of her will and her person and her dignity. Even if he does it gently, right. even, even if he does it smiling, it is wrong, it is sinful.
1: Well, of course, I know you've had the same experience, I'm sure with me, with, uh, as I've had with with ladies who say that they have to maintain their relationship with a particular man because the fact that although they've had one or two children before, because that's the only way that they can gain support. And there is no physical abuse necessarily, but just the fear of losing uh, monetary support. And so they go on with these relationships. Mm -hmm. So it's so many different ways that these can be Sure, and many
2: times also fearing for their health. Um, Fearing for their health in terms of a man who is promiscuous and who has... The evidence that he's been promiscuous by pointing to children outside of the marriage. Right. right, right. one thing I would add um, to this, and I
1: think this is something Could that... I, give us, I think we have a call. Sure. Just hold on. Hello, you're on ECB, talking it through biblically.
4: Yes, good afternoon, gentlemen.
1: Good afternoon.
4: Uh, I just wanted to make a, st- I just wanted some clarification. What is the
1: purpose of, of getting married? You want to answer that one? What
2: is the purpose of getting married? Well, from a biblical point of view, um, it is uh, to be a visual of the relationship between Christ and the church.
1: Right, and I think, again, I would go along the same lines from the book of Genesis. We're made in the image of God, husband and wife. Right. And so I simplified or concisely stated marriage, is meant to show what God is like. Right. All right? So that we reflect His character in all of our relationships. And if you start from the book of Revelation, you have the idea of procreation, show His creatorship. You have the idea of caring for the children the way He cares for His creation, and so on. And so that's why I put it, marriage is to show what God is like in all of His character. I
4: agree. But marriage also has uh, physical
1: properties. Right? Oh, exactly right, right. and, and uh, right to go in that direction. I would say marriage is to provide uh, a, a fulfillment for the husband and wife, right. including sexual fulfillment. Right. Okay, you have something else to say? Yeah, I just
4: wanted, just I wanted some more clarification on that. I, I mean, I understand the, the law of passing. I, I don't see the necessity for it because it already existed
1: on the world. Okay. Well, since you brought it in from the point of view of the purpose for marriage, with all without being going into all of the other aspects, right. sexual fulfillment is the purpose of marriage.
5: Exactly. And I yeah, believe, I, was, I believe okay, that I'm, I'm God. Saying, uh, if you can't
4: have that comfortably, then you're going to create a problem in the marriage. And I want, you know, I just want women to understand what is. Unmen,
1: right. And I believe God has given us some real um, um, practical uh, uh, instructions as how we can go about with sexual relationships in our marriage, and I think it's in in the Song of Solomon. I think if we follow the basic principles there of how a man is to love his wife and how to deal with problems, all of that, I think you'll find... That God delights It's a very amazing thing to see in chapters four and five. God actually delights in uh, husband and wife having sexual relations when they do it according to His way. Right, right. He actually delights in it.
5: I mean, this is this is
4: what this is what you because I listen to you constantly. This is what I, I think that you are advocating that marriage is the way to go.
1: Definitely. Right. Well, again, you know, I believe the Bible also teaches that He is some. Uh, uh, um, um, have the gift of celibacy right. to remain single. Right. I think both are true. Right. Well,
4: I just I, I don't know. This this is this is so frustrating for me because I, I I can't.
1: What is your major frustration? What is your major frustration?
4: Just on the way that that the authority is taken so much from the man in the home, and he now has to be so careful on what he says. And what he does as far as even touching his mouth mm. without being, you know, victimized by, by some law. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe I just hang up and finish listening to you. Uh, I just thank you for having my call. And if you want to expand more and more, I'll be
1: okay. Okay, well, I, I appreciate your call. I, I believe, though, I think we should emphasize something we, we were talking about uh, during the break. Right. And that is if we. Uh, living in a relationship with our wife according to the word of God, huh. this sexual offense, Bill, has no pr- we have no problem with it. It doesn't apply to us. Right. It only applies to those who go outside of the will of God, contrary to the word of God.
5: I agree.
1: Alright? But otherwise, it doesn't apply. Okay.
4: But one other question. So, I mean, layman for a layman man. The woman does not belong her husband.
1: No, she belongs no. to God. She belongs to God, right. Her body belongs to God as well, but there is a sense there in Romans, in 1 Corinthians 7 where when it comes to love making, what he's saying is we have an exclusive uh, how should I say, we, we have an exclusive way husband and wife of meeting our sexual needs. My wife is to meet my needs, I am to meet her needs. That's why she is my a resource for having my needs met. That's what Paul is trying to say there. Husband and wife have an exclusive means, and that's their mate. You see? Nobody else, only them. That's what he's trying to focus on there. Listen, thanks for your call. Thank you. I appreciate it. Alright. Hello, you're on ECB, talking it through Biblically.
6: Yes, yes. Hi. Yes, thank you. I, I, do, have a, I do have a problem with the, with the law that is about to be debated, sir.
1: Uh-huh. What is that?
6: My my problem is uh, I I would like some clarification on it more than anything else.
1: Really? Okay. I would like some clarification on it. Uh, what what if you, what if
6: your wife tells you wait until Tuesday, wait until Tuesday, and then Tuesday comes, she changes her mind, you know, and and, 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 and but uh, Corinthians Corinthians seven and one said, never less avoid fornication. To
1: avoid fornication. Are they forcing the man into fornication?
2: Can you give me some clarification on that? Okay. No, no. Uh, if, If a wife is wrongly and unduly withholding sexual relations from her husband, she's not forcing the man into fornication. Certainly she may be contributing to his temptation in that regard, but she's certainly not forcing him to do anything. A lot of times we are put in circumstances where we may be tempted, but she is not forcing him to yield to that temptation.
1: And and remember now, from the man's point of view, if he is going to be faithful to God, he must wait. That's where patience and discipline comes in. You see? And so when a person makes a decision to sin, Nobody forces them. Uh. Temptation might be there, but they decide. They make that decision themselves. I, I was only ask metaphorically, you know, metaphorically. I understand. But, but, but the fact is, you said,
6: let's wait. Okay. You love your wife, you're going to wait. And then comes Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You keep continuing changes change her mind and everything else now.
1: All right, but see, but then that, that's a signal that something else is going on in your marriage. And you must, as a husband, you should take the lead in trying to find out, hey, what's going on? Absolutely. You see? And to try to fix that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because that's an indication that something is broken down somewhere. You remember I mentioned in the earlier part of the broadcast that, you know, the lovemaking is only one small part of the whole love relationship. You should be loving your wife all the time, showing her love and care and compassion all the time. See, normally, and again, this doesn't hold true all the time, but many times you have problems like that because somewhere along the line we have failed to love the way we should. We haven't met certain needs. Now, as I said, that's a general statement.
6: Okay. And and what about this, the, the, the new law, the other law? I mean, I understand it's about to be debated, but, but the fact that what is she, what, what, what she tell you said, okay, and then you, 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 you do do something the semen left as she go to the police where you raped her? You
2: really didn't now. I mean, can that be? It certainly is a possibility. Um, but, I mean, that's a possibility, for example, right now, between two individuals who are not married, um, they could have intercourse, and the woman could then go to the police station and say, I was raped. So, yes, what's going to happen if this law is passed is you basically will bring marriages to that same kind of scenario. I mean, that is the 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 reality. That's
1: the troubling um, uh, factor, right? One of them anyway. Uh
2: But can I I just say this as well? Um, I think what is also important is if a man finds himself in the scenario that you mentioned, what he should be doing is seeking out counseling for himself. Right and hopefully for his wife if she would come along as well but you need people alongside to encourage you to pray for you to really help you to get god's perspective on it because something clearly is wrong and with something being wrong the last thing on your mind at that moment should be sex
1: okay I'll hang up all right good Thank you. thanks for your call we it very much but i think he you did hit on a very troublesome part of that I sure and like I say, one of the my concerns here is that, you know, there's so much room for extreme abuse here.
2: Yeah, and the, the part that he touched on, he was saying uh, if your wife invites you and uh, after intercourse she says she's been raped, but according to the definition of sexual intercourse, which they will use for rape, if she in the middle of that in, tells you oh, to yeah. stop and Anywhere you do not stop, the then it's rape because it says... Um, any reference in this act to the act of having sexual intercourse includes a reference to any stage right. or see, continuation see, that's the fear. Of I the mean, act.
1: suppose some wife, and I'm hoping this doesn't happen, but it can. Possibly. You know, suppose... Uh, okay, I'll come right back to that. Hello, you're on ECB, talking it through biblically. Hello. Hi. 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 I just, uh,
5: just want to say, uh, have a word on the, on the proposed bill. Um, you know, it's really a hot topic, um, um amongst the men who are at work in other places. Mm-hmm. But as I see it, um, the drafters of the uh, those who are planning to push this through it seems as if they want God but they don't want him. Uh when I when I when I say they want God and they don't want him, as I see the marriage act, uh the marriage relationship, it this act uh this law proposed law leave room for uh uh um uh, uh, innocent situation to be turned uh very tragic in that, you know, you could be engaged with your wife and the sexual uh act and uh, her mood may just change on you and right. you know, and she may just say, You rape me. I mean and uh, how do you define rape? So what are what are the what are the the evidence of rape if it is the semen uh in in in, uh, in the Based in the woman, uh, I mean, if you if you do that in a relationship, uh, honestly, and somebody just out of uh, meanness or nastiness turns against you, I mean, what should the man do? I I see this as a confusing piece of law, and I'm con- I reach the conclusion that it's a want- they want God, but they don't want him in, in a way because it's too uh, I I can't really find the word right now, but it's too tragic. So to engage in really a, a relationship with somebody under
1: such kind of law. Okay, great. Thanks for your, thanks for your input yeah. here. Uh, Pastor Moss, would you want to say anything? Well, just listening to him, you know, I thought about a situation
2: where, let's say a wife brings a rape charge against a husband. To my mind, that is the end of that marriage. Yeah. I don't see how uh, a couple would be able to survive. I mean, barring the... The abundant grace, of, grace God. of God. The abundant grace there. of God it's being there. poured onto that marriage. Yeah. Um, humanly speaking, I think that marriage is about done.
6: Mm-hmm.
2: So uh, these are tough issues.
1: Right. They are. I like to believe that, you know, no matter how far the marriage has gone, Brother Moss, Absolutely. God is able to do I it. Grits abounds. Grace does much, much more. more but he brings a very important point, I think, you know. Like he says, suppose a, a, a woman really has designs that she wants to quit a marriage, mm-hmm. but has no real basis. She can actually plan to get involved in the sexual relations as, And during the act, halfway through, however you want to say it, uh, say, stop, stop, no, no, no. And then be, and then still accuse. Mm-hmm. See, that's the kind of uh, abuse that is that opens here. Yeah. And it's a, it's a complicated thing, and it? it's, um, it's, it's difficult. Now, uh, so far, we've only had calls from men. We have just about 13, 14 more minutes uh, left in our program. I really encourage if you have any ladies out there who are listening and you have any input or questions or comments, we would love to hear from you during these closing moments. So please give us a call, 322-7846, 322-7846 or 326-0800. Pastor Moss, let me draw this, switch the emphasis a little bit of focus what kind of advice or counsel would you give as a pastor to spouses concerning how to uh, go about establishing a marriage that will free us from these kinds of things oh uh we have an hello you on ecb
7: yes i am listening to your show mid radio now? thank you i understand that um, I I feel like I got a problem with this law, too, because it makes, see, first of all, the law discriminates, because every woman ain't no thing, you know, because, I mm-hmm. mean...
1: So would men. Not every man is a saint, either.
7: Well, I know, <laughs> but I say but the law put so much bond woman on Let's say, for example, your wife, you married your wife, because all women want something better, just like a man may want it. She might see something else. she like you got the house, the land, everything. You go to bed one night, everything joined dandy. And what there's a woman in those things, right? They got they could these things. Make love to you. Next morning, charge you drink.
1: Mm-hmm.
7: You get the house, the land, the car, the money in the bank. Right, well, as we it. said... Plus you get a sweetheart she wants.
1: Right, as you said, we pointed out that. That's one of the possible abuse.
7: And these things can happen. You got to be real. Because, mm-hmm. the man, the days you're living in, you know, people in, man, everybody say God ain't of God, you know? So
1: right. you got to be careful with these laws and the man making these laws. These
7: ain't God law, right? Well, that's laws. why we.
1: That's We're why, why they got agendas behind these laws. That's why I, I, I want. Agenda is right. That's why I want to encourage you. Right. The minister says there are going to be town hall meetings and all of that. Make sure you get involved in those meetings. Okay.
7: Setting the agendas behind these laws doesn't.
1: Well, anyway, that's, so you, that's why, why man, you need the to the get involved. of
7: God now, so man, hey, what do we listen
1: to? Right. Get involved in the discussion in the town hall meetings and so on. Thanks okay. for your call.
7: That's a, that's the way to look at it too, you know. Right. The man I don't no. The man be so vulnerable, man, They got the laws right now the land get towards <laughs> money. Ain't no one protecting the man. Right. The man is saying to be the like the only one who um commit these offences, they making the man to the commit these offences by passing these laws, you know. Right. But women don't
1: the same thing. Okay, agreed. Thanks for your call. All right. Appreciate it. <phone rings> Hello, you on E C B
8: good afternoon good evening
1: how are you oh good afternoon so good to hear a woman's voice yes it
8: mm-hmm. is yes I'm listening to the topic and I couldn't um, stop um, but to overheard it the, um, the the topic is pretty interesting mm-hmm. um, I'm not married but um, I know a person who so are married mm-hmm. and um, the way I feel about this debate um, um, seriously okay I feel so like when somebody's married okay so if, if a couple a couple they're married and um, if the husband is, you know, is out there fornicating and messing around and what's not, and um, he, the the wife probably knows or has an idea that he's uh, fornicating, and um, he wants to come home and also have a sexual relationship with, with his wife, which is his duty. Right. You know, which is he you don't supposed to ask or try to get consent because that's you know it's their marriage. If if he's out there doing fornicating and what's not, you know, she don't wants to be. Um, I'm involved with that type of situation. Right. And um, I feel as though if she wants to draw back,
1: mm-hmm.
8: draw back her body. Right. I feel as though she has that right to do that because right. if, if if you're if, you know it's all sorts of STDs and um, she just wants to go the safe way. Right.
1: we agree with you. Well, I, I agree with that hundred percent. As I mentioned before, in our
8: only reason why they are doing that.
1: Right. As I mentioned before, in our marital counseling, if that happens. Um, we know a husband is out there or a spouse is out there committing uh, uh, adultery or uh, whatever with other people and then come home expect to have relations. I, I would tell a wife right off, don't do that because her life could be at stake exactly. unless he gets a, a clearance from after a test and so on. No, I, so I agree with that 100%. Well, that's, what I, that, that,
8: that's the reason why I think they, um, they're trying to you know,
1: bring that up. Thanks for your call. Appreciate it. Okay,
8: thank thanks. Thanks a
1: lot. Hello, you on ECB.
0: Thank you very much for taking my call.
1: Thanks for calling.
0: Yes, Um. I, you know, don't understand why, you know, I've been listening to this topic for the, for the entire week. And you have um, most, the majority of men in the Bahamas, they seem to be so outraged and incensed by the, um, possibility of even, you know, taking it to parliament. Mm-hmm. You know, they must understand. I hope that they would understand and listen. And I, I, you know, I hope persons who are victims could speak out, I don't know if it's anonymously or whatever, be a part of the town meeting or, you know, and go on shows mm-hmm. and speak about their experiences. That is, if they have recovered from that mentally and emotionally, as yet. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. That would be helpful. Mm-hmm? Yeah. That would be helpful. Extremely.
0: Right, because I, I think Gentlemen, I don't think any of these followers who are calling on all the shows are, are so upset. I don't think that they are, they, want, they are saying that they want to rape their wife or supposed to be to rape their wife. I think the last thing, when you take your wife or your husband before God, man, that you are thinking about is if she doesn't or he doesn't give me sex, I'm going to take it viciously and violently. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think that may be what I, you know, I'm trying to give them the benefit to say that. Maybe that might be the reason why they're not. Then it's necessary, but on the other hand, you have person, I have a son, I'm a young man. I have a daughter, a young lady, and I do not want either of them being put in that situation. But I do not, and you know, I want the men to, and the women against this. Think about if it, It's your daughter, okay? Nothing is more horrible than being raped. Mm-hmm. Because that is a violent, um, 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 action. That is a violent crime. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and the thing is, if your marriage has come to the point where you may you all might not agree with the religious part of it, but if your marriage has come to be so vicious, so abusive, and so strenuous that, that you know you are not getting sex for such a long time or whatever, seek counseling first. And at the end of the day, you know, yeah. separate or divorce and move on. But don't stay in that house and violently and viciously. No, I
1: I think that's true, and I think I think that's 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 a that's, a wise, that's wise counsel yes thank and you that's good thanks for your call appreciate it very much hello you on ecb talking, speaking talking it through biblically hello hi how you doing
7: i'm great how are you i'm good i'm good i'm good um uh, good afternoon to both pastors good,
1: good afternoon.
7: afternoon yes I'm, um i'm calling concerning the topic that you're on now
1: try to be as quick as possible we have a couple other lines we only okay. have about five okay. minutes left
7: I'm, Um. I know both pastors, you all believe that Jesus is going to come, right? Yep. And Satan has yes. a job to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. And what we see now, if God ordained marriage, all Satan doing is through the, the heads putting in place what he needs in place. This, uh, th- this bill, all it's going to do is break up marriages. And that's exactly what Satan wants.
1: Well, I, I, we have to be careful. I believe, you know, the government is designed by God to protect its citizens, and from their perspective, this is one way of doing that. However, the citizens have also a right to be sure that any uh, law that is imposed upon us is, in fact, just and is not open to much abuse, and that's what our concern is. So we have to be uh, we have to be sure here uh, we see everything in perspective. But I appreciate your call. Thank you very much. I- Okay. Okay, okay. Yes? Hel- oh, yes. Hello? You on ECB? Hi, hello? Are you there? Hello? Hi,
9: can you hear me?
1: Yes, go ahead, please.
9: Hi, yes. I have a comment. Um, first of all, I, I, I have a comment. I believe that women, a lot of women, have lost their place. Um, I believe that they're fallen. Turn it down. I believe that they're fallen from what God has truly called them to be. God has called us to be Proverbs 31 women. Mm. Know how to care for their homes and to care for their families and to be a nurturer and to be a provider. And women that know how to stand by their husbands. In return, men are supposed to love their wives the way that Christ loves the church. Mm -hmm. And we know that Christ loves his church. And if a man loves his wife that way, she would never resist him. Mm -hmm. She would never turn him away. She would never push him down. There are only two reasons that a woman should refrain from her husband, and that is if she is on a fast, and if she is going through her cycle that women usually go through, I believe that women are fallen because they're so caught up and they're just working and making the money and becoming this and becoming that and they've lost their place. God has called women to be in the home, to be nurturers of their family and to bind things and to hold things together. So, I believe that that's the reason why... A lot of this is happening, and I also believe that if we would seek God in choosing the mate for us, that our marriages would be better, because then there would be marriages that God would bless. When you just go and you just pick anyone because you love them, or you just pick somebody because you want to marry that person, of course you're going to go through this, but if you fall on your face before God, and you say, God, I want that man, I want that woman that you have created just for me, and you wait until God brings that person into your life, that your marriage will be blessed because all marriages are not put together by God and all marriages are not ordained by God.
1: Really? Okay.
9: <laughs> Anything outside of God's will is not of God. But I believe that God is calling, calling women back to be Proverbs 31 women. That's a
1: good word. Thank you very much. We hmm. appreciate that. Thank you very much. It's a good word as uh, far as the Ephesians, uh, not Ephesians, uh, Proverbs 31 women. Okay, thanks. I think we have another call. Hello, you on ECB? Just a few moments left. Hello. I think they must have hung up. Anyone else? That's it. Okay, Pastor Moss, what are you closing words? You just got about a minute and a half left here.
2: Well, again, Pastor Lee, this is a very, very complex issue. I believe that we need to continue to pray for the government, pray for the minister. Of social services as we move forward in determining where our country is going to land on this issue. And I would only want to encourage everyone who would share their views on this to remember that people who disagree with us aren't bad people. They just disagree. And therefore, we don't need to demean them or vilify them.
1: Amen. We appreciate your being here today with us. Thank, thank you, you very much. Me. Our time is gone. Uh, we just want to say thank you for tuning in to Talking It Through Biblically. As always, this is Pastor Lee saying, Selah, think and act on these things.